Hi, I'm Dave Bazuki, founder and CEO at Roblox. And you're listening to Tech Talks, a podcast about the people and ideas that are shaping the future of the metaverse. In this series, we'll be exploring some of the most innovative technologies that have emerged in this new category and sharing stories with the Robloxians that are building them. Today, I'm joined by Todd Rudak, Director of Data Science and Analytics at Roblox. Todd leads our data science and analytics team, which supports decision-making and building the Roblox platform. Today, we'll discuss the unique qualities of data science and analytics at Roblox and the work they do to support innovation. Let's get started, Todd. So great to see you in person. You're two rooms away. Welcome. Uh, I miss you. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, it's wonderful. How was your holiday break, Todd? Absolutely wonderful. Got to spend some time with family, got to recharge, loving it. Okay, so this is going to be really fun because I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with data science and analytics, but to a lot of our listeners, there's engineers and designers and product people and what is data science so we're gonna we're gonna kind of get into it and maybe start first with your background if you could you know could you share a little how you got into this field and how you came to work at Roblox oh that's a great question uh, I would say that I never actually intended to be a data scientist in my field it was one of those cases where even back as a teenager I would be playing around in Microsoft Word while creating an essay in high school. And I would always ask myself the question of why do I have to go four windows in to find the feature I want? I've already clicked on it five times. And I didn't realize until 15 or 20 years later when an entire industry started to build around this idea of understanding personal behaviors and making products towards them. So, you know, my background started in computer science. I also spent a lot of time studying statistics and econometrics. In early parts of my career was more focused on marketing. That was the first use case for analytics and a little bit of a science side. That grew over time, spent more time from big data in the banks and the financial world to even big data when it came to media platforms, uh, whether they be social or, or deep content. So question, Todd, when you said you were, you were very into computer science and physics and you went into marketing, was it the analytical part of marketing or marketing, general marketing? It was the analytical side. I was the one that was creating loyalty programs, understanding marketing campaigns, understanding the behavior of what people did on various websites and, and various tools to really understand what we needed to build. And that was the early, early days of really what analytics was. Yeah, well, this was, I mean, marketing is, is really interesting because there's this wide range of things that you can measure and attribute versus things that are very, very fuzzy. You know, when I watch Mad Men, for example, it, that seems like a day when it was really hard to measure whether things were working. So were you in a, a more new area where you could measure these things? Yeah, you, you think of the classic case of marketing campaigns in which you'd actually send out snail mail to people. You want to open up an account? We, we think you're pretty good with your credit. So why don't you open up a credit card here or open up a checking account? And we could actually determine who were the right people to target, send some mail out, track them into the business and, and help them grow, but also meet their financial needs. That sounds really cool. Okay, so you're in marketing, but you're already doing analytics. And, and how did that evolve? So outside of marketing, I, I moved to a couple of different companies, 
And through the, the course of that, the company started to want to understand how people change their behavior on the website. So, you know, which page they click on, which product they choose, what happens when they were no longer interested. And that starts to build. It was also very the early days of dot-com. Uh, I started my career around 97, 98, uh, back in college, and then came out to Silicon Valley around 2001, 2002 at the tail end of it. And this is a time where people started to log a lot of data and we didn't exactly know all of the, the world that would open up for us, but it was fun. And we got to determine uh, what were some of the interesting things that people did on various websites just as they were in their very early stages. Yeah, so this, I mean, this was an amazing time because the feedback loops were so short. What traditional marketing programs, as you mentioned, TV advertising or sending out mailers, uh, you know, your week waiting days and weeks and months, whereas you had moved into a real-time domain almost. Was that, how did that feel? Like, was it, it must've been very exciting in those early years to be doing real-time type of marketing. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you love the sense of feedback and, and that goes through a lot of my career, but you don't want to wait three months to get a signal on whether you did a good job. You want to wait maybe a couple of days at most a week. And so getting that direct feedback and, and seeing what the the potential was for the web at the time was really uh, just a generally exciting for anybody in their career in this type of field. Cool. And then, so from there, along the way, can you share a bit of the trajectory to, towards where you we finally came together and you started running analytics at Roblox? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would say that uh, my time in the finance world eventually uh, it started to, to wane my interest and I wanted to explore a couple of different areas. Plus I realized that the amount of data was getting bigger and bigger and bigger by the moment. Uh, banks used to be known as the one with the big data and then income social media platforms and they completely trounced it in orders of magnitude. And I wanted to make sure I, I stayed ahead of my own skill set, as well as the interest of the new questions that we can ask ourselves. Uh, and so I moved along to a big social media platform, which the, the treasure troves of things that you could ask and, and answer in a lot of different ways was uh, a new world. And, and then from that point, I spun off of that in order to understand a little bit more in deeper content content you spend two to three hours watching in video, streaming over a platform. And, and that just added a, a whole nother color to, to my past experience. What was interesting about Roblox is we added a third dimension. You're not talking about 2D content on a TV or on a website. You're talking about 3D immersive content and it adds a whole level of complexity and obviously difficulty in understanding what's going on in these worlds. Yeah, and maybe a big responsibility as well in that as we get have the opportunity to gather this information, we have to do it in a civil way, which we do wonderfully. Also, um, I'm very proud of the fact that because we're powered by a virtual economy, there's not a lot of pull for this information for advertising feedback or anything like that. It's, it's primarily around making experiences better but as you highlight it in 3D, it's almost as if we there's interesting data around what people are doing, what kind of friends they have, all the, all of that. So it's it's a super rich playing field. Absolutely, it's only going to continue to grow from here. Yeah, that's wonderful. So um, so you came on board at Roblox, and we started. By the way, thank you. We were actually building out the data science team. I think it was pretty small when you joined. 
Can you tell us a bit about what the team was like when you joined and what your team does and what its purpose is? Yeah, that, that was part of the exciting thing of joining Roblox is I was given the opportunity to grow a small team. Uh, I think in those days, we were probably five or six people. And a lot of the understanding of, of the metaverse, we didn't really know. You know, we, we had a, a team that started to, to pick apart some of the data and understand some general directions, but we didn't have a strong cultural of experimentation to really uh, keep us honest around whether we're making a positive impact on the community. So one thing about the data science analytics team here at Roblox, our internal mission is actually to increase our speed, frequency, and acumen of our decision-making as we build the Roblox platform. And we do this while adhering to all legal requirements for data collection, storage, and privacy. Cool. So if we dive into that, and maybe we think about an individual team with engineers on it, building some area of functionality that everyone is using. And, and if we imagine that team of 10 or 12 engineers and a product leader and maybe a designer and things like that, would they have a data science or analytics person on that team possibly? They would typically, and we've been growing our footprint into each of the product teams. So we have dedicated partners. We put data scientists to embody those problems. We don't want to be a centralized org. We don't want to throw problems or throw numbers over the wall. We want to actually embody those problems and help to make holistic solutions to make a better platform for everybody. Yeah, that, that is super cool. Um, and so you've built out the org that um, embeds them a bit. Um, can you share a bit around the ranges of the types of things they're analyzing and types of data and the types of teams they're working on? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's a wide range of, of these complex problems I talked about. You have some interesting areas around multiple two-sided supply and demand marketplaces. You have general experiences and understanding search and discovery. You have assets within those experiences as developers are sharing these with each other. You have avatars uh, in which we're moving towards user-generated content of those avatars. But underneath the hood, there's a lot of other things. You have general economic health as we use our, our currency of, of Robux. You have the content of 3D immersive nature that I talked about, which is generated by the community. Our networking and streaming of this content, so a lot of infrastructure and platform problems we want to help solve. And then you have wide-ranging demographics across the globe, including age, gender, and device. And so most importantly, keeping our community safe at all these perspectives is the number one priority. Um, maybe one of the basics um, as part of this is I know that there are teams that are rolling out improvements to their functionality all the time. And I'm assuming one of the things, like I know one of the things is actually we do is just, is it working or not? Have you, you know, I'm assuming you're seeing both sides of that because I see some of the numbers where it's like, oh my gosh, it's really working. And then I also love the case where data science says it's, we haven't really seen any change and this is adding complexity. So let's not add this functionality at all. Um, can you share a bit about those two scenarios? Yeah, the, the latter one is my most favorite because a lot of people forget about those. Uh, I recall a time back in early 2019, probably I was at the company for just a few months. And we had a group of people sitting in the room debating over whether we wanted to build a certain feature uh, for developers. And in concept, sounded great. Uh, you had a lot of people that were very interested in it, very excited about that. But what slowed us down is it would take an entire year's worth of an engineering team to push it out. That's a lot of investment. And I think uh, if you were to look back at the company a few years ago, 
we probably would have just done it as we thought philosophically was the best thing to do. Uh, but instead, we used the opportunity to debate to say, let's set up a, a lightweight experiment to actually prove this out. And so through a, a few different iterations of this, we actually found that we weren't making a positive impact for the community. You know, we were moving around a couple of metrics, but those would dissipate over time. We didn't feel like we were improving the health of the community at all. We weren't thinking that we were making it better for the platform. And it just kind of fell flat. Um, and what that shows for us is we could debate all day about whether something's good, but the community is actually going to tell us if it's good in the long run. So we got a strong signal that saved a lot of time from the entire engineering team. They could work on something better uh, that's more impactful and, and better for our community. Um, here's another um, fun one. I, I love the case where I, I think there's a host of platform things that could be done that can improve uh, short-term metrics like an hour in or a day in based on novelty, but 30 days out um, actually degrade the platform because this, this was exciting for the first day, but now it's not really useful. Have we found any of those in either direction? I, I love the notion of those. Oh, absolutely. And, and that was part of the example I was showcasing where we might see short-term novelty effects. You put a shiny button out there, people are going to click on that button. doesn't mean it's a good button necessarily, but you, you have to work through some of the seasonality we've seen in people's behavior. But even then, we might run an experiment for a few weeks, maybe a month. Uh, what we're currently working on is having longer-term holdouts from some of these features. So we can understand, does that interest kind of wane over time, and do we still want to support that feature in the long run? Or is it just a, a longer path that we had for uh, success of that feature? Okay, um, now just for the, um, the mathematicians out there, I'm going to roll the clock back um, seven or eight years um, before you were here, Todd. And I can remember, um, you know, running some experiments where we would calculate it and there weren't that many people on the Roblox platform. And we would go, oh my gosh, we might have to run this experiment for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks because the statisticians are telling us to get some level of confidence we need to run this many users through the experiment. Um, can you share a little about why that is and, and maybe today at Roblox, um, how long we have to run things to get statistical significance? Absolutely, it's a lot easier in today's terms. When you have millions and millions of, of people on the Roblox platform on a daily basis, you don't need to test all of them. In fact, uh, uh, we have a couple different timeframes in which we like to, to test some of our features. If it is something that's user facing for our community, we typically like to work through one to two weeks of the experiment so we can understand what are the effects from a Monday versus a Saturday or as new users join the platform. We need to understand those different uh, areas. Plus, there's also just generally sensitivity of metrics, whether we can get some kind of signal from that. And then there's other cases where it might be behind the scenes, something in the back end, in which case our experimentation can essentially be much quicker. Maybe we want to get to the point where we're actually releasing things midday uh, because maybe we're just improving an, an algorithm or some kind of network protocol. Cool. Um, so you've been at a few uh, well-known places in Silicon Valley that all have awesome data analytics um, platforms and personnel. Is there, can you share anything that you think is at Roblox is unique compared to those functions elsewhere? Absolutely. And, and part of the culture I've tried to set forth in the data science analytics team is I take all of the good that I've seen in some of those past organizations, but I also reflect on, on side effects of the way some things were structured and try to course correct for them. And so what I think it, 
adheres itself into our culture is I've actually learned to hate the term data-driven. Uh, and I tell our candidates for that. And that's because when you talk about things like data-driven, you tend to get pulled by the data. You're getting pulled by the metric. And oftentimes, if you do that multiple times over and you iterate, you tend to lose the context of what you're trying to do in the first place. And what I love about data science and analytics here at Roblox is we meld together a strong vision from our product managers. We bring in quantitative input from, from my team. We bring in qualitative input from our user research team in order to make that final decision. It's not one or another team that makes the final call. It's really a great collective decision. Maybe a metaphor would be, and, and you can correct, you might know more historically, when Disney was creating Disneyland, I have the feeling that was not data-driven, like, like there was some rough high-level data, like number of people in the US and who could visit, but I don't think um, the Haunted Mansion was optimized with data. Um, do you think that's an example of a non-data-driven creation? I think there's a lot of vision that goes with that. And, and that's part of the metaverse too. Uh, I don't think data will be able to necessarily tell you 10 years ago what the metaverse was going to be, but we can certainly say what's working now, what's not working, and we can course correct in the next 10 to 20 years as we continue to build. Uh, what's interesting is there's always a great question of, well, how can we use data to actually measure our own innovation? And it's it's not, there's no great answer to the question other than if we have instituted a culture of experimentation, that means that we have a, an idea of fail first and fail fast innovation. And if we can do more of that, then we're going to focus on the things that are, are beneficial, the big ticket items. And, and that means if people bring in some large, uh, large product features that we want to be able to test, something that's completely game-changing, sure, we can test if that's going to work both in short-term and long-term, but it's not going to necessarily bring up those ideas from scratch. If you, if you had to think of then, if, if I kind of like the radicalness of saying not data-driven or however you're saying it, but at the same time, radically supported by data science and analytics. If, if you had to think of it, that almost feels to me more like thesis driven, but uh, you know, validated. Like, is there a way you would say that? I'm still looking for that, that perfect term for us. A lot of the time, terms I've been using, thrown around in our culture is data centric. You have to make sure that uh, you're guided in the right way. And um, you either, either have data that's validating your point or invalidating your point, not to the point that you're causing biases, but actually removing biases from our decision-making. I think the the antithesis of maybe creating Disneyland is I think there was a time 10 or 15 years ago early in social gaming where there's a lot of creativity. And then in the midst of the fray, there was some hope that you would just throw up something, you know, get it live and purely optimize um, through data science, the creation of an actual immersive you know, gaming experience. I, did you ever come across that? I, I think those all failed essentially, but I was wondering if you ever saw that going on. Yeah, the term of gamification in a lot of things that we do. And while it works in some manners, if you want to help exercise and, and spend more time in, in healthy manners, sure, gamif gamification of your own habits helps. But to the point where it may cause undue amount of resources on you and not in a good way, that's where we don't want to go with Roblox and the metaverse. Yeah, so it's, um, I always like to think there's a healthy tension where we're trying to have both innovation and come up with these topological changes like, oh my gosh, we have the instinct, this is big and we're going to do it with all of the great things of data science and optimization. Can you 
kind of talk about the, the balance of do, those two things, like innovation, topological change versus constant iterative growth and improvement? Yeah, that's it, interesting because it also comes down with our partnership with product teams. There's a portion of us in which we have to be awesome partners, be able to, to shepherd through what we think is going to be that future vision and what kind of features we have. But we also have to have a little bit of policing of our own behavior to make sure we're not going down the wrong path. And that also leans well with innovation versus optimization. Um, I always use an analogy that I, I put in a blog post around a rally car. I see a product manager as being the driver. They're actually turning left or turning right. The data scientist in a lot of ways is that navigational person sitting in the site next to them. We're gonna tell you up ahead what the map, map, the map looks like, whether we wanna turn left, turn right, or throw that map out the window and start with a whole new map because of what we're finding. Cool. So, I mean, I know there was a time when we were smaller and you could ask just a group of devs or players what we wanted to do. And I know this worked at small scale, but can you share a bit how that might have to change as we take the long view here? Yeah, I think there's some obvious things. We can't put a million people in a room and ask them what they feel. And even if we could, people are going to have louder voices than others. So what we want to do by removing all these biases, we're using data as the voice of the customer at scale. We can understand what local developers maybe in the US might want versus those in, in other parts of the world, as well as on the, the experiencing side of it and whether people want to have certain features or how they react to those various experiences. Cool. Okay. Hey, so let's roll up our sleeves um, without giving away anything that's shipping or, you know, that we haven't kind of shared at the same time, it's fun to talk about some of the stuff you're working on to the extent we can. So uh, is there anything that we can share, Todd, that you're working on kind of as a hint or a generalization? Oh, sure. Put me on the, the fire here. Uh, I would say that some of the interesting things in data science that we're currently working through, you know, we talk a lot about experimentation. Um, with that being said, though, there are certain features that we might want to test that are going to have social network effects. For example, if we want to upgrade our chat system, if we set it up poorly, some of those effects are going to bleed into people as we communicate with our friends. And, and some of the innovation that we're pushing forward is to have the idea of social clustering in our experiments so that you and your friends and your, your sub-network within the social space are all getting that same feature. And we can really understand both the individual effects and those effects as a community. Uh, and that's gonna move us to the, the next realm. So I also see a future in which I would love to be able to expose our experimentation platform to developers. And they have access and be able to ask the same kind of questions that we're asking of our platform and be critical thinkers for the experiences they build. Yeah, I think this is a common theme on Roblox and behind the scenes as we go up and down our stack, it would be a wonderful world at some point in the future, whether it's our persistence framework or event framework or analytics framework or A-B testing framework. It would be wonderful to imagine that same infra being used by us internally and the developers on Roblox at the same time. Absolutely. And I want to extend some of that thought here, because if you would have asked the community 10 years ago, could a 10 year old build a online immersive multiplayer game? The answer would have been no, but today you can. I want to do the same thing for the community when it comes to data science. I want a 10 year old to be able to understand how to transform data, get some interesting questions and, and answers, and then be able to put that back in their thoughts and really be a truly critical thinker. Okay. Um 
rolling forward um, historically and then rolling forward historically, I think at Roblox, we also had this thing where we would never run two experiments at the same time with the same user. And that just doesn't scale if we have a lot of product teams um, doing that. So can so then various concepts came along. One is we slice the user and one experiment gets this and then one gets that. And then I think there's a higher level concept where every user's in all the experiments at the same time. And then there's maybe even a higher level concept where, well, every user's in all the experiments at the same time. And we can actually see some features affecting other features, which would be really interesting. Can you kind of go through that swim lane stack versus matrix stack versus matrix correlation stack? Yeah, a lot of the early work in 2019, 2020 was revamping our experimentation platform. And so we can answer the, the micro decisions, whether a feature was good on its own. Now we're at the state of starting to roll out, how do we bundle features together um, or a suite of features over a longer time period to see, do they actually cannibalize each other? And maybe we only have one versus the next, or do they work together? I think uh, a, a good analogy here would be thinking about utensils over the last few centuries, a fork, a spoon, and a knife. You can pair some of those together and they work wonders or they don't do anything together. And we kind of look at that from a feature perspective as well in the way Innovate. What's different is, you know, we've had centuries to be able to work through the problem of utensils and where uh, they benefit us. We're still just getting into the, the early work of the metaverse. And some of these observations are not gonna be as obvious as we think they are, but hopefully in 10 years, they will look obvious. Okay, here's a future prediction. Uh, let's say we have two very unrelated teams working on new functionality. Um, one is maybe over in the 3D avatar team, and then one is on somewhere else search and discovery team. And they're both running experiments at the same time. And both of those experiments independently maybe improve our long-term user satisfaction or retention. Do you think we will ever find a situation where those two functionalities at the same time do even better than the sum of the individual functionalities, kind of like an accelerator effect rather than a degrad you know, overlap effect. Absolutely, and that's a, a decent measure of innovation today is are we producing product teams that are choosing these features or cross product teams? And when you bundle them together over time, are they actually more than the sum of their parts? And that, that's really a good, uh, a good cycle for us to measure ourselves and, and, and be honest to ourselves. Uh, so looking forward a bit um, for both people in the industry, maybe people who are um, studying right now comp sci and thinking where they want to go. Can you uh, share a bit about the technology and expertise going forward to help solve some of these challenges? Absolutely. So we have a huge plethora of data and it's only going to get bigger as we continue to expand knowing big data tools is gonna to be absolutely important. And those are constantly trans transforming themselves. You know, we have to log, we have to transform and aggregate data, and we have to analyze behavior on the platform for millions of users. It, obviously it's timely, but it's also costly. So while tools exist in the industry today and they're effective, they still need to continue to innovate and be able to process order of magnitude more data in the upcoming years. Um, another aspect of this is, you know, the, the sexy side of it is data science, the actual output of what we produce. But what people miss is data engineers are just as important or even more important in a lot of cases. We simply need people that know how to effectively use these tools, the ones that both exist today, 
but also know the shortcomings and how do we build the next generation of tools. Tools designed for distributed science analytics of the metaverse at the edge. Hey, do you think, um, you know, one thing we talk about is um, the notion that over time, things move from millions to billions to trillions of events. Um, you know, millions of people on our platform are sending millions of events. The, the creators on our platform have these events and are trying to improve the, the, how wonderful their experiences are, how civil they are, how, how people enjoy them. And at the same time, a lot of our, the creators on Roblox are just learning data science and the notion of uh, how you would query all of these events is somewhat new. Um, the hope I think we might have is that someday um, people don't even have to worry about it. And um, I, I think the data scientists and you and a little bit of the engineer in me knows that some queries are very easy and can scan a lot of data and give results back really quickly. Whereas some queries, you know, how many people who were wearing blue shirts three days ago who drove in the car made a friend five hours later and then came back and bought something, you know, two days later, that's probably a more complex query. Um, how fast do you think the tools over time are gonna support those types of queries for your average new data scientist? I would like to see these tools converge in no more than five years. Because if you look at it, 20 years ago, terabytes was the, the size of data we're talking about. Now we're having conversations around exabytes of data that we're going to have to, to weed through to really get to the insights. And so with that, there's a piece of the tools, but also a piece of, are we asking the right question? And are we building the tools to be able to ask those questions? Part of that is data scientists have to start thinking about how to abstract their work. There's a lot of common questions that we ask ourselves on a daily basis. Are, is somebody adopting a feature, for example? We don't want to get into the mode of the lack of scaling because we're asking those same questions of a person every time. We need to be able to automate those and essentially abstract a data scientist's mind in working through those into the tool set itself. And that's the only way that we will build a strong foundation, be able to ask the more novel questions as the metaverse uh, starts to evolve. So, so is it fair to say today when data science teams ask the queries I just shared, there might be a little work there, like intermediate representations or things that maybe in the future we don't have to have? Exactly. And we still rely on storytelling from a human perspective. You know, somebody on my team would have to trudge through the data, look at all of the, the different ways that it's pointing to and come up with a narrative and then go off and convince somebody that that narrative is correct. I want to get to the world where we actually auto-generate those narratives. And not just that, our narratives are for us to understand. But if we auto-generate those, we can also essentially take decisions on them in real time and move past those things that we commonly agree on into those more difficult questions that we know are going to uh, come up with us in the next few years. All right. And then back to those candidates um, who right now are maybe have aspirations of are attracted to data and this area. Um, is there, can you share a bit about what we're looking for in those candidates that um, helps make them successful at Roblox? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say over the, the past few years of growing this team, I've generally looked for, for force traits. Uh, the first trait is around personal drive. We're a team that doesn't sit on our hands. We're not waiting for questions from partners or the product team. We're essentially leaders that are asking those big questions and then building a roadmap to answer them. So I look for people that can push themselves. 
uh, a second trait I look for is general curiosity, which I think anybody in the data world needs to have. You know, feeding off the previous quality of drive, you have to have this sense because a great analysis often generates more questions and answers. So you have to have that curiosity to use the product, try to break the product, to contextualize and embody the problems. Um, third, I look for betterment. Don't stop at identifying problems to solve. Have a sense to be able to solve those problems and make the product better for the community. Don't throw numbers over the wall. That's not the type of team that we're trying to bring. And the last strong communication. Data science is still a new field. It's an effective data scientist will be able to communicate complex topics, nuances in the way that we look at the data or simplify the information being shared. And we also have to influence our partners around you to take some action. You know, like I said, throwing numbers on the wall without taking action, it's ineffective and adds no value. So a lot of this job is actually just convince people to change their minds. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm really impressed with the team you've brought on so far. So I think something's working. And I think the, the all of these qualities interlock really well with our Roblox values. Um, you know, one of our values is taking the long view, which is highly innovation based and um, taking the long view and innovation, as we said, can be have a little tension. I think there's like the right balance of innovation culture, which is you know, creating Disneyland with pure analytics-driven culture, which we, we talked a bit. Can you maybe talk about this long view value and how it guides the data science side of things? And like, is, is that unique? Does it make it harder for you to hire people because we're trying to do a lot of innovation at the same time um, or, or any other color on that? I think it's intriguing to a lot of data scientists in the field because we have a, a very wide definition of data science today, which covers product analytics, modeling, and a few other areas. The reason is because you want to give a very long runway for data scientists to think through holistic solutions. In a lot of roles within the industry, there's a very small swim lane in, in one or, or, or another dimension here. And what that means is you typically try to locally optimize. You're only looking at opportunities or you're only looking to optimize a particular model. But we have to know when is the right time to jump out a model because we're trying to squeeze water of a rock and look for the next big opportunity that's sitting right next to us that we're essentially being blind to. And that's part of the, the taking a long view in data science here. Um, well, hey, thank you for that. Cause we don't want local up, you know, we want to pop topologically into those next big things. Um, I guess as we kind of start zeroing in um, at the end of our time here, if we look to the future um, and, and you know some of the big challenges we're gonna be tackling in the future at Roblox, you shared a bit about the evolution from early stuff. Can, can you give us a little uh, vision of, of some of the things we might have to be dealing with in five years here? Uh, I think in the five years time is, I would love to be able to say, that the data science community externally of Roblox is just as strong internally. And that means that we're providing a strong set of tools, whether it's metrics, analytical tools, big data tools, experimentation platforms, machine learning platforms. I wanna be able to democratize that knowledge at a very young age and get people to, to build a lot of things on their own that we'll never even dream of because they'll be able to innovate in ways that we'll never even be able to think of. That's really cool. Cause I think right now, when we think of Roblox in education, we think of design, art, creation, computer science, coding, production community. 
we're not as much thinking of data science, but I can imagine a world where in the future that will be just as common. And we're learning to, you know, a classroom has created a Roblox experience. They're together looking at the data, uh, learning about the data science thing, uh, just side by side with uh, learning to code or learning to create or learning art or audio. Absolutely, that does an exciting framing of uh, the problem set. And I'm excited because I also have young kids and I wanna be able to, to use Roblox to help them educate uh, in a lot of the STEM aspects. Well, uh, we do too. And I'm very optimistic about um, Roblox's role in STEM education around the world and data science is a big part of that. So Todd, I, I really appreciate you sharing more about this exciting discipline and uh, joining the conversation today. And it was great to see you in person today as well. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. It's been great chatting with you. All right. Thank you, Todd. That's all for this episode of Tech Talks. Thank you all for listening. To learn more about careers at Roblox, visit roblox.com forward slash careers. I'm Dave Bazuki. See you again next time. <laughs>